Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the It Is What It Is podcast powered by the Riot Report. My name is Josh Klein. I am the managing editor of said Riot Report. And sitting across from me, Bitcoin maven, Zach Luttrell. I don't know what that means, but hello, everybody. I'm not sure what maven is. I feel like it's... uh. Like a like somebody that is very like like a tycoon. That's a better word. That's what I should have said. Yeah, tycoon. That, that describes me perfectly. Like a roller coaster tycoon. <laughs> That's you. Don't don't hate the player. Oh, hate the tycoon. Uh, <laughs> welcome to it is what it is. We are excited that you are here with us today to talk about your nine and four i completely forgot their record there for a second yeah they're (laughs) nine and four carolina panthers after their uh big exciting win over the uh the minnesota vikings never in doubt right no not for a second we all knew that uh that it was going to end that way that it did and um and we we guaranteed that victory going into sunday just you and i yeah, Behind personally. closed doors with the microphones off, well, you and I said 100% chance they win this game. Absolutely. That is why we're the best. And we will also make our prediction about the Packers game behind closed doors and reveal it on Monday to let you know <laughs> how we did. And I'm going to tell you, we were right. A thousand percent. Uh, Zach, an exciting game. Oh, you know what? Before we start talking about the game, uh, if this is your first time listening to the It Is What It Is podcast, uh, Welcome. And uh, your friends are very smart for letting you know that you should be listening to us. Uh, We try our best to not be soups emotional about what happens in the Panthers game. I know it's very easy on Sunday night to have some hot takes about how uh, Cam is inaccurate and uh, Jonathan Stewart is old and Mike Shula sucks. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, that you could say. Um, but what we try to do is we try to back away from that a little bit and talk about the the raw data and, and what's actually happening on the field because the reality is, Zach, is that... It is what it is. It is what it is, and it's not what it's not. Sponsored by... No, we, don't, we still don't have a sponsor. We got to get that. We got to work on that. If you are interested in being a sponsor... <laughs> <laughs> Or uh, I'm just going to say sponsored by Bojangles because uh, I just love Bojangles. And um, for this week, this episode, you're welcome, Bojangles. Get out there and get you a Bo Biscuit on the house. That means steal a Bowberry Biscuit. Um, Welcome in, and uh, let's talk about it. What are we we talking about this week? Panthers win 31-24. The Minnesota Vikings, a tough opponent. They were 10-2 for a reason. The first thing, before we even get into it, Sometimes you have to tip your cap a little bit to these teams. Like sometimes I feel like we watch these games as if the Panthers are the only are playing against a high school football team and when they don't blow them out by 70, it's a disappointment. You know, the the Panthers are a good football team, but so are the Minnesota Vikings. They're a really good team. Yeah. Case Keenum is shockingly good at quarterback. I, I thought just going into this game, there was really a weird vibe. I was catching it all week. So I was trying to figure out what all were the factors that was causing that, right? So the forecast was calling for a cold game. Yeah. We know how our fans react to the cold here. And they the, melt. And the, and the beautiful you know, North Carolina weather. Um, but I just noticed in the entire week, people were emailing me nonstop asking me if I could help them sell their tickets. And that's just 
super unusual. Usually, what? usually it's the really? other way around. People are looking for tickets, so I was getting messages all week for whatever reason they couldn't go to the game, and they were you know trying to do the right thing, trying to sell them the Panthers fans, which I applaud them for that. But it, I just noticed it was a very high volume of those type of messages that were coming in, um, you know. And then the tailgate, the vibe was just really, really weird at the tailgate. You know, our attendance wasn't where it normally was or normally is. Um, and I don't know, it just it just felt weird going into that game. And we were making the joke about, you know, saying the Panthers are definitely going to win. I, to be completely transparent, I, this was the first game all season where I did not think they had a chance other than New Orleans. Um, so, I, you know, I didn't expect the win. But I just, I don't know if you saw it from where you were sitting. I mean, there was a lot of purple in the 100 level behind the the, uh, the Vikings bench. But it wasn't really spread out through the, the entire stadium. Like, no, it was know. concentrated back there behind the Vikings sideline. I think that the, the Vikings fans are... Um are uh, familiar with traveling for games, so they probably know exactly that that's where they want to sit. And there were know? a lot of them from Minnesota, the ones that we talked to, which I'm actually, I was okay with that. If you're going to make that trek down here, then good for you. Yeah, no, I, I mean, the thing is, is we welcome They're not all like the fans. Packers fans yeah. from Fayetteville who hang a banner up. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've liked, uh, I've been a Packers fan since 1996. Oh, you mean when they won the Super Bowl? That's when you became a Packers fan? But but to my point, I don't, I don't know if you saw it or could feel it too. It just felt like... I don't know if people were just disappointed coming out of that uh, Saints game and didn't give us a chance, didn't, didn't give the Panthers a chance to win or they were worried about the cold or what it was, but just a weird vibe going into this game. I, I agree with you. I think that um, it had, it was twofold. I think it was a little bit, they came out of that Panthers fans watched, were very excited for the Panthers-Saints game. And to be honest, this, the Panthers shot themselves in the foot. Shot themselves in the foot. And again, they lost to a very good football team. They didn't lose to the Chicago Bears. If you right. want to be upset about that, if you want to be upset about a loss this season, that's the one to be upset about. Don't be upset about losing in New Orleans to the Saints. Right. You could be upset about it, but it it kind of it makes sense a little bit. Yeah. You know, that's a sensible loss to have. If you're not going to go 16 and 0, you're going to lose some games and on the road at maybe the best team in the NFC is probably a game that you're going to lose. Yeah. So that and I'm so freezing out there, Zach. Oh, man, it was cold. I mean, I will. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't even have any jackets in the uh, well, Charlotte's not ready for the snow. We don't have any salt or any, for any me. I plows. saw an opportunity to pull out some Panthers gear that I normally don't get to wear. I layered up like four different, uh, you know, Panthers uh, items on my uh, my upper body it was great. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree with you. Unfortunately, we're just in the day and age where it's a lot more comfortable. And let's be honest, a lot cheaper to watch it on your couch than yeah. it is to to show up and go to the game. And there are people that don't even think of that as an option. When you're a Panthers fan and you live in Charlotte, there are a lot of people that are like, mm, yeah, but uh, it's so cold outside. I don't want to go. It's so well, warm. Whatever the reason was, hopefully they are over that because, you know, the excitement level is back high. Yeah. After beating a team that arguably is the best, one of the best for sure, teams in the NFC, if not the entire NFL. Um, and to do it the way they did it. So hopefully everybody's back on track. Let's do I'm it. speaking to you all directly. There's another big game, big tailgate. They're all pretty much must wins for the rest of the season, which we'll touch on later. But uh, get out there this Sunday. And we know that Packers fans like to take over Bank of America Stadium. They, they always do that. And uh, with their uh, star quarterback potentially going to be back this Sunday, they're going to be out in full force. Every 
every Packers fan from Eastern North Carolina is going to be here. All the diehards. All the diehards will be here. <laughs> so in their Brett Favre and or Aaron Rodgers jerseys. Those are the only two they have. So if this resonates with you, if you were one of those people for whatever reason, it's going to be 57 degrees. The Panthers are now in in a semi decent, better than last week playoff uh, position. So. Uh, the other thing is, who cares whether what kind of playoff position they're in? Fans do. No, I know. All fans, fans do. I understand, but fans show up for this game, please. Let's let's not have the Bank of America be green and yellow. Let's have it be black and blue, and let's have it get loud. And black and uh, blue is so much nicer than green and yellow. For the love, just show up early so I don't get early morning texts from Zach at eight. At 7.30. Nobody's here at the tailgate! And it's like, bro, the tailgate doesn't start until 10. Hey. I don't see anybody out here. <laughs> the parking lot was empty, man. The parking lot was empty. It shouldn't be. You can tell by the tone of his tweets how he's feeling. Mm, um, I hadn't had my coffee either. So. No, well, that that is and by a coffee, I mean my first note of beer. Yum. Uh... So let's talk about it. Now, yeah. that we're, now that we're done ranting about yep. the... Uh, I'll step off that soapbox. Let's yeah. talk about how awesome of a game, for the most part, that was. <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> no, I threw my asterisks in there. Yeah, no, I, I think that the Panthers... <laughs> so one of the most telling statistics, and it's such an obvious statistics, but it's or statistic, but it is, uh, it's crazy. In the Panthers, the Panthers are 9-4, and four, right? In their nine wins, they have turned the ball over eight times. And in their four losses... They turn it over 10. Wow. So when the Panthers don't turn the ball over, they win. When they win the turnover battle, they win. That's like some, they're That's some deep analysis. No, though, but too. it's not. It, it, it's uh, Obviously, it's the most armchair analysis there is, but it's so true. When the, Panther, the Panthers are good enough that when they don't beat themselves, they win. They can beat the Minnesota Vikings. They can go, they can go into New Orleans and win those games. But when they beat themselves, they can't. Yeah, but isn't that true for any team mostly? Uh, do you think it's true for the Cleveland Browns? <laughs> so you went you went all the way down there. Okay. Do you think it's true for the Tampa Bay Bucks? Ah. Do you think it's true for for who? For a mediocre team? Do you think it's true for the Detroit Lions? Yeah. If they don't make mistakes? No. Did they make mistakes against the Panthers? Yes. What were the mistakes? Did they turn the ball over? Did they? No. No. Oh. No. They had some penalties, but I, I mean, I think the Panthers just outplayed them in that game. Right. But I think that there are, you know, there are maybe 10 teams, the top third of the league, you could say that about them. That's fair. But, you know, you look at look at New England. They made mistakes last night, and they lost the freaking Dolphins. Like, it, it happens, and the Panthers are at that level. The Panthers are a Super Bowl quality, Super Bowl caliber team when they play at their best, and they play at their best when they don't make mistakes, not just at their top version of themselves. Does that make sense? Like, they don't have to be... Jonathan Stewart doesn't have to rush for 100 yards. He just has to not fumble. That, that That's what I'm saying. That's, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Well, you know, again, I thought it was a great game. Um, you know, there were some, some areas of concern. Um, you know, we touched on this a little bit going into this game. Uh, some of the defensive statistics and the the difference in the yardage that they've been giving up here in the most recent games even though uh, the majority of them with the exception being the Saints game were wins you know they're still getting torched back there in the secondary and uh, I mean it's a pretty considerable difference in the since the you know the first few games and the number total yards they were giving up yeah they're giving up a ton of um giving up a ton of yardage a ton of big plays which is really um 
not it, it's not the Panthers defense style to give up big plays like that. I mean, you look at the Vikings game, perfect example is they gave up they were giving up yardage, but they were kind of playing that bend don't break. And again, they're playing a good offense, so you have to give some credit to the Vikings, but I don't give credit necessarily to Case Keenum and Adam Thielen for throwing a slant and then the Panthers missing two tackles and him throwing running 50 yards in the end zone. I feel like that is making a mistake and a hashtag missed opportunity to take some uh, words out of Ron Rivera's out, uh, mouth. But I think that the Panthers, they need to tighten up in the secondary. And uh, I, I, it's weird. I don't know how to, I don't know how to do that in practice. You know, like how do you practice not giving up big plays? Practice tackling, I guess. Is it is it missed tackles? I think it's. I, I think mean, it's that all, was the Saints issue, but were there a lot of missed tackles on Sunday? Uh, there, not a lot, but there were some missed tackles. Kirk oh. Coleman has missed some tackles here in the past few weeks, and uh, it, it used to be that that second cornerback spot was the um, the liability in the in the defense, and I think that it's not quite out of the woods Daryl Worley is not but he's quite. put together his his best two games and two or his three career, game stretch right? yeah probably yeah. probably in his career I, I you know well, I'm I don't not even talking about the pick I'm just talking about overall coverage oh no he was very he was he was good yesterday Sunday. Um, to the point yeah Sunday sorry he was good Sunday um and also Kevon Seymour was not mm-hmm. so I feel like they're separating themselves. But interestingly enough, uh, Steve Wilkes said yesterday on Monday, sorry, I got my days mixed up. They're all running together here. I don't sleep a whole lot. Uh, that he said that the guys that practice the best during the week are who gets the playing time on Sunday. So they're still evaluating that CB2 position and, and making it a decision going into the game. Absolutely. Wow. Yes. Uh, the other thing is that don't, don't forget that Daryl Worley only played 48 47 percent of the snaps against the saints he wasn't the he wasn't on the field that much against the saints he he had an impact when he was on the field he played well but last week he had 75 percent the week before it was 45 percent the week before that it was 75 percent so don't be surprised if you see Kevon seymour this week out there against the green bay Packers. so do you have a good hypothesis or explanation of what's happening with this defense i know we touched a little bit um, you know, just on the overall age of the unit, um, but that's not true with the secondary, where the problems seem to you know be happening the most. But not at true. the not, safety not position, it is the safety position, yes, but not at the cornerback position, obviously. No, um, the well, the mean age when you take Mike Adams and Kirk well, Holmes when you add Mike two, Adams two, in two there, second year guys, then, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's uh, it, it gets up there. Pretty can we leave quick. Mike Adams out like we leave Cam's uh, runs out in the total? Sure, total yeah, game? absolutely. We can we can leave him out like when people <laughs> just say take the outlier. So one of the one of the stats that I've been using the past uh, past like few weeks is that the first eight games is the first eight games of the season the Panthers gave up, I think it was 264 yards a game, and the past five weeks they've given up 364 yards a game. Yikes. That's a big difference. That's a huge difference. I don't know if you know, but that's about 100 yards. (laughs) I mean, I'm no mathematician. I'm not not a numbers guy, but carry Uh, the one. And my favorite response to that is, well, they played the Saints in the last five weeks and the Vikings, and it's like, yeah, but they also played the Saints and the, and the Eagles and the Patriots and the Lions in the first eight games. You can't just leave out yeah. the good offenses. Um, and also, the Eagles and the Patriots are the number one and number two offenses so, in the league. So what's happening? 
uh, <laughs> I think that, oh, you want me to have an answer? <laughs> I think they're getting. I, I think, you know. You think it is age. I think it is. But a little, they're still getting pressure a, on the quarterback. I think I mean, it's a little they, bit. They had six six sacks last week. They could have had more, but somehow Case Keenum was a little more elusive than we give he him credit for. Right? <laughs> he thing? ducked under Captain Munnerland. Did you see that? That's a thing. He ducked under Captain Munnerland. Was it a log roll? Yeah. No, it was unbelievable. <laughs> how do you not? How did your knee not touch the ground when you duck under a five nine Captain Munnerland? <laughs> He's good at limbo. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Case be nimble, case be quick, case <laughs> go, go under the limbo stick. I could that's that pause yeah. was me trying to remember the limbo song. Yeah, but I got there. <laughs> I did get there. No, I I'd love to say that I have a great answer for it and that the defense is wearing down, but I I don't know if they're wearing down. I think that it's a long season. But then you can also say they haven't given up a hundred yard rusher in seventeen uh, games, right? Well, they gave up eighty to Ingram and eighty to Kamara. So well, let's not let's no, let's we not lean on the that. outliers. Let's we not, not have you not lean learned on that yet? stat too hard. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I I think that I'm you not take sure. Take away his false start play. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't count. Um, I think that you. I don't know if there is an answer for it. I just think it's something to keep an eye on. And I think that the offense is going to have to there again. I feel like we say it every week. Some days the offense has a good day and the defense picks them up or some days the defense has a bad day and the offense picks them up. And sometimes the special teams like in New York has to come up. And by the way, just as an aside, the special teams play aside from New Orleans has been absolutely spectacular. And they continued that last week. Sunday against Minnesota. That punt coverage unit is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, you saw Shepard force the fumble, but like it's these little things that make a huge impact in the game. It's Polardi has just been flipping the field on a consistent basis every single week. And unfortunately for him, a lot of Panther fans are only going to remember that bobbled snap and uh, and incomplete pass. Lottie which Dottie, we like Pilati. Yeah. <laughs> It's a Polardi party. Um, you got to fight for your right. Yeah, I don't see a whole lot of uh, hashtag every retweet is one vote for Michael Polardi on Twitter. <laughs> um, but he does. I I honestly think he's been the best punter in the NFL. Wow. And I, That's I have, a bold statement. I haven't watched a ton of other punters, to be honest. But, I mean, he really, like, he has flipped the, flipped the script, if you will. And when you talk about what happened in the preseason – when it seemed like the Panthers chose two special teamers that were the opposite of what fans wanted them to choose. They've and it seems like both good, of right? them have been not just pretty damn good. Both of them have been spectacular. I mean, I think the argument people want to make about Gano is... That he's the number one field goal kicker in the NFL? Well, the Panthers have passed several opportunities to kick a 50-plus yarder. So I don't know if that falls on the coaching staff or, you know, Gano's inability to make those kicks, but that has happened. But, you know, the, the, the counter that, that is, they pass on it. Uh, of course, you know, we, we, we've seen that for sure. And I know he's got confidence in himself, but you know, he's, he's done everything he's been asked to do. He's missed what one field goal and two extra points. I mean, and he's, he's well, percentage wise, the number one in the league right now, right? Yep. He is. You the don't see a lot of those, uh, a lot of those pro bowl, pro bowl votes for him either. Actually, surprisingly enough, I see a couple. Oh, really? I don't know whether it's just one person that I follow that just loves Graham Gano. Is it Mrs. Gano? But it is. Uh, <laughs> I think, yeah, it's Mrs. Gano. It's just Graham. I just follow. He just retweets himself constantly. Um, I hey, think so that, uh, I'll go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, 
No, I don't have another point. Oh, okay. No, but the special teams have been fantastic. I just wanted to say that so it's on record so that when somebody goes back after the season and says, nobody ever talks about the special teams, we'll pull this little audio clip out. Boom. And it'll be a real Pilardi party. Yeah. So one of you 18 that are listening, please bring that to their attention when you <laughs> Don't see forget it. to subscribe and rate us on iTunes as well. So sticking with the the, the defense, uh, I mean, I know one of the takes, and I, I can say I'm probably guilty of this too, was when the Panthers were up, was it 24 to 13 in the fourth quarter? It was. Um, I think the entire stadium that was not wearing purple, and probably the purple people too, purple people too, I knew the Panthers were going to drop back into their ultra-conservative defense and let the Vikings right back into the game, and that's what happened. Well, the problem with the ultra-conservative defense is that when it doesn't work, when you when you go into the ultra-conservative defense, you shouldn't be giving up 52-yard touchdowns. I mean, that's the, no, that's, that's the long laughing, and short of it. I'm not laughing. No, but like, that's the thing is that if you're going to go into that ultra-conservative defense, and just to be clear, Steve Wilkes does not go into ultra-conservative defenses Ever. He's always sending blitzers. He's just dropping them. He's dropping the cornerbacks or corners in the secondary back further into that prevent defense, which is what everybody likes to call it. But it's basically just a little bit more of a cloud shell than anything else. But he lo- he he cannot. He's allergic to sending four men rush. He will always send an extra guy or somebody fun and exciting. But it happened. It happened where they scored a touchdown when they shifted their defense and the entire stadium had seen that movie, knew it was coming, and it happened. Why does that keep happening? Why do, I don't understand it. I guess I don't understand the question. Are you asking why they gave up a 52-yard touchdown? I'm asking why Cause they, everybody knew at that point what the Panthers were going to do, that, that they were going to change their style of defense of play and that they were going to allow the uh, the Vikings to score. And I mean, I but understand, did, but I understand the 52-yarder. But if they had, it'd be one thing if they had driven down and squ- and picked up 10-yard pass, 10-yard pass. They, they were doing that up until that point. They picked up two first downs and then threw a 50-yard touchdown. Like, that doesn't mean that they gave it up against a prevent defense. That means that they gave it up. The Panthers' defense faulted on that play. Right. Take the outlier out. They were driving successfully. Why they... are we taking the outlier out? <laughs> because there I'm were not... three plays, and I'm... one of them went for fifty yards and a touchdown. So there were only there were only two plays to get first downs. I don't know. Okay, so that's wrong. Is that fake news? <laughs> I'm not sure either. But my point is, the Panther fans got uncomfortable. We turned around in our section. We were all looking at each other, and we said, "Hey, how do we feel with an eleven point lead?" And no one felt good. And no, they, that and they I mean, were that, all right. And I feel like I why, saw. Why from can the, the Panthers not? Why can Panther fans not feel good about an eleven-point lead with what eight minutes left to go? I mean, the Panthers got the ball back at one point, went three and out, and took a little over a minute off the clock and gave it back to them. Are Are we talking about why they can't be? Yeah. So that uh, touchdown drive was four plays long. Okay. So they had three plays and then a fifty-yard touchdown. Does that mean that that's because of the prevent? And then their next drive, this is the, this, so this, it's a false narrative. That's the problem is everybody says, yes, it is. How? Because they gave up a 50 yard touchdown. They didn't go into prevent defense and give up dink and dunk. They gave up a 52 yard touchdown pass and then Cam Newton threw an interception and the Panthers gave up negative three yards to force them to a field goal. So that's how the eight yard, that's how their 11 point lead disappeared. Yeah. That not because they went into prevent defense, but because they gave up big plays again 
to the number five offense in the league and to a a top three wide receiver. Ooh. Like, Ooh. yeah, probably top four. <laughs> so you're saying there was no conservative defensive play calling at the end? Sure. I don't know. I haven't watched the tape on it, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm literally just going. I mean, I have watched the tape, but I haven't looked specifically to see for this point. But I think that that, when you just break it down a little bit and just not think about like, well, Panther football, I, I just don't think that's what happened. I think that when you look at it, yes, they gave up an 11-point lead, but it was not because of conservative defensive play calling. Now, if you want to make the argument that they they made conservative offensive play calling and that was one of the reasons they let the pan- the Vikings back in the game that one I might be willing to kind of talk with you about but when you say that Steve Wilkes stopped sending blitzers it's ridiculous K1 Short had a sack in the last inside the 10 yard line like they're they're the defensive play calling is just not conservative and was not at the end of that game well switching over to the offense um you know, one of the, the takes we've been hearing is that, well, fi- the, the running game has finally looked good. Finally. Finally Did looked good. Did you say good. finally? Yeah, Sorry, because the I Panthers can't run the ball. So leaning jo- back. I was jo- going to let you talk, but now <laughs> I don't think so. Jonathan Stewart finally had a good game. Um, you know, even though Panther fans believe we should probably just go ahead and shelf him, put, put Cap him, out there. Cut him, I think. Put Cap. Ca- Cap needs those carries. He does. Hell, Fozzie needs those carries. Absolutely. Out so, to yeah. Arma probably should get him. It's his... Uh, his that's the thing. He's the key to that run game. They couldn't. They can't run the ball without him. That's sarcasm. By so the way. yeah, no, that's super sarcasm. Please make sure you pull that out and type it on Twitter and then put it out. Josh Klein at Josh Klein rules says Alex Arma is the key to the Panthers' run game. Um, here's the thing, Zach. Uh, this whole narrative again. I'm going to use this again. It's a false narrative that the Panthers cannot run the ball. The Panthers are the fifth best rushing team in the NFL. The Panthers have averaged 193.6 rushing yards the last five weeks. They've crossed the 200-yard barrier three times in the last five weeks. You know how many times they've done that in their history of the franchise? No, but I'd like to know. 23. Oh, wow. And three of them have been in the last last five five weeks. weeks. Panthers can't run the ball, though. They can't run it. Yeah, but you got to take Cam Newton's runs out. Blah, why? Blah, blah, why do we blah, have to blah, take blah, blah. why that? Uh, that makes me so mad. <laughs> why do we have to take him out? Uh, it's the same. Well, you got to remove the outliers. There, this guy is not an outlier. He's been a huge part of the Panthers' run game for the last the Panthers seven seen seven seasons. Right. Since Cam Newton has come into the league, this is not as impressive of a stat. That's pretty good though. Since Cam Newton has come into the league, the Panthers have rushed for over 200 yards 10 times. In the history of the franchise before that, they had only done it 13. Oh, okay. That's this the Cam Newton is the key to the Panthers run game. So you cannot remove his yardage from the Panthers running stats. It's ridiculous. It's the it's it's just I, I just I don't I don't have any other words besides ridiculous. No, I agree with you. I, I, that, yeah, no, it's it's such a it's such a lame thought to say that the Panthers' run game doesn't work when Cam rushes for eighty yards. So, so and uh, and on designed runs too. It's not like it's that's the other thing is that you can't have it both ways. You can't want to run Cam more, but then want not want to keep him, not 
use his stats as part of the run game, and you can't want Cam to run less and then be happy when he runs for 80 yards. Like, So what happened this week that uh, the Panthers were able to break off those two big plays? Uh, I can sum that up for you in one word, and that word is misdirection. Miss. Oh, I thought you were going to say Khalil. Direction. <laughs> <laughs> He's back, baby. I was hoping you were the going Panthers that way. did nothing before Ryan Khalil. <laughs> no, Ryan Khalil was um actually if you no, stick uh, with the misdirection. No, no, no. But just quick plug: okay. if you check out theriotreport.com, uh, Vincent Richardson has a great um uh some great analysis coming out. I believe either later today or tomorrow morning about uh, how Ryan Khalil fared. And uh, let me tell you, he did pretty good. He gets stronger as the game goes on, and um, he... He says he's a little rusty. Yeah, well, he probably was. (laughs) It's been a year. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Misdirection. So Panthers had two big plays, right? One of them was a Jonathan Stewart run over right tackle, right guard. And uh, as Cam Newton hands it to him, you'll notice that Cam Newton continues running backwards as if he's going to bootleg out to the left. Right. <laughs> no, the left. <laughs> left. <laughs> ah, good one. Um, God, I wish we, we need a soundboard in here with some some sweet... Uh, we need a sponsor to get us a soundboard. Sweet sound effects. Bo if Jangles. you're listening, Bojangles. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and the safety he, totally bit. Yeah, Sandejo totally bites on that, on Cam Newton's bootleg, and... Guess who's not there to make a tackle 10 yards downfield on Jonathan Stewart is that safety. And then he's gone 60 yards to the house. The thing is that that play doesn't work unless you have run that bootleg in third and short. And the Panthers have run the bootleg in third and short. And it also doesn't work if you take Cam Newton's running out of the game. No, it doesn't work with... um, I can't even think... I couldn't pull a non... It it doesn't work if you put Matt Ryan back there. Right. No, the the safety does not have to respect... The safety can catch Matt Ryan on a bootleg. He can't catch Cam Newton. So the other thing that you need to... So that was the first big play. Second big play is uh, the zone read, and the misdirection is a lot more clear. Cam holds the ball in Stewart's gut for as long as he possibly can before he pulls it. And because the defense has to respect that threat of both Cam and Jonathan Stewart running... They can't focus on either one, and they're out of position. And then it's Cam one-on-one with a safety. Safe, uh, Rivera said it yesterday. The safety stays at depth because he doesn't know who is going to run that ball. And then when it when he sees that Cam has it, he is trying to tackle him from depth, and he just can't do it because Cam Newton is an excellent runner. <laughs> no, I mean, like it's so it's such a dumb thing to have to say, but he is very good at this. Yeah, like that juke was fun. It's very fun, and it's not a juke that a lot of quarterbacks can do. Um, and that is the reason why you have to take Cam Newton as a part of the running game for the Carolina Panthers. And not only the, one of the reasons, probably the reason why it's been so successful uh, for the past seven years. Yeah, totally agree. Um, and for them to be able to pull off those runs against a, a very good Minnesota defense. You want another stat? <laughs> Love these. Uh, the Vikings had allowed, we're coming into the game, averaging 78 yards per game for the first 12 games of the season. And wow. the Panthers rushed for Rushing. 216. Is that good? It's pretty good. Yeah. Well, they rushed for 60 on the third play of the game. <laughs> so 
they were they were pretty close to breaking that pretty quickly. I actually listened to that play. Uh, I listened to the crowd noise while I was still packing up the tailgate. Oh, that's fun! Yeah. What a what a fun said, something look into good your is life. happening. Something's something happening. exciting. And then it might have thirty been the seconds later, because I think it's how long it took Jay Stu to get to the end zone because he's so slow. <laughs> right, fans? Cut him. <laughs> I saw I saw one of those next gen stats said he was running like twenty miles an hour. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's fast. Yeah, I can run. Uh, I run. Six miles per hour when I'm doing my marathon training. But do you? <laughs> yeah. Is that it's what my Nike Plus app per says. Per hour or per week? No, six miles per hour. Six miles. But I don't run six miles straight. <laughs> my speed is six miles per hour, for just those, to be clear. For those 40 yards. No, for, for like a mile. For one to two miles per day. I'm going to run today. I can tell you what my coach says for yeah, me to do. You're not on Strava. No, no. It's the problem is you have to upload from Nike Run Club to uh to Strava. It doesn't just connect automatically. Ooh, so you're you're two thousand tending it. I'm a yeah, I'm a Nike guy. Okay. Bro, just look at it. these kicks. Yeah. Those, those are literally two thousand tending it. <laughs> uh what else are we talking about? The Vikings so the the Panthers play the Packers this week. Um well, so so going into this game, let me just back up a little bit. Thursday night, you know, we we had talked ba, about ba, how. Ba, ba. Nope, that's Monday night. Sorry. Yeah, close enough. Uh, you and I were on the same page. How we did not want the Atlanta Falcons to beat the New Orleans Saints, and of course, the complete opposite happens because we'd never get what we want. Sure. Um, but you know, a lot of fans were on the other side of that. You know, they accused us of having a loser mentality, and we need to keep pounding. And uh, you know, even though they uh, refused to understand that our play, the Panthers' playoffs uh, chances increased significantly if we could get Atlanta out of the picture. But that didn't happen. And then the Panthers come out and make a big statement against Minnesota. So okay, now I'm semi buying into the you know glimmer of hope that okay the division's still up for grabs right but what that also does even though you know that's that's the fun side of this right that's the fun side of of what's happened on Thursday and and the Panthers winning on Sunday but there's also a scenario um that's not as fun we've we've called it the nightmare scenario nightmare scenario <laughs> and it's a, it's a scenario where the panthers can actually go 11 and 5 and pull a uh, new england patriots led by matt castle and not make the playoffs wow that is a uh, specific reference that you made to yeah. matt castle and i was all, i was i was did you have a that. did you obviously you did some research on the last 11 and 5 team to not make the playoffs no just remembered oh whoa well la tida look at you um but yeah isn't just remembering kind of doing your research like you you did your research it was just years ago and now you just remembered it yeah just i did not kill those particular brain cells so therefore was i doing research i don't know so still, let's still so before we get to this playoff scenario let's make this very clear that if the Panthers win their last three games, they will in make the playoffs. They will not necessarily win the division. They but will they absolutely make the playoffs. Win and you're in. Win and you are in. So for everybody who, when we address this topic, either on this podcast or online, for those of you who immediately want to respond and say, well, let's just handle our own business. No shit, guys. <sighs> oh, we, we know that. Sorry, hit the dump button. No, Guys, we got that, okay? We understand if the Panthers win, they make the playoffs. Yes. Uh they will go 12 and 4 and be at the very at the absolute least they will be a wild card, which would be crazy if they were 12 and 4 in a wild card, but whatever, they would be in the playoffs. And the other thing that I want to say just before we get to this nightmare scenario is that I truly 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 believe that right now 
there are seven teams in the NFC that could not only make but win the Super Bowl. Yeah. And I mean, that's crazy because I don't know if you know this, Zach, but there are only six teams that make the playoffs. Is that is that the <laughs> again, I'm not a numbers guy. Yeah, no. Uh and so you're telling me one NFC team who is inevitably going to be left out could probably beat the AFC representative in the Super Bowl. Yes. I'm not saying that they will. I'm not saying that they that I'm not giving them maybe more of a four, more than a 40% chance, but I'm saying that they could. So more than zero, close yeah, to zero, more than, zero. more than close to zero. <laughs> you, you know, what's funny about that is, um, you know, I don't pay a lot of attention to it, but I was listening to the radio on the way over and they were discussing the new power rankings that came out and they power have, rankings. they've got the Steelers one and the Patriots after losing to the Dolphins last night two. at number two. So that the, those two AFC teams are one and two ahead of all seven of those NFC teams that you know you think could represent the NFC and, and possibly win. Do you think it's weird that the Steelers have had to kick a last second field goal? The no, last that's month what dri- to how win? are they number one in the power rankings like that's when a- they've barely won the last two games? I how mean, are I they, love the Bows as much as everybody number else. Number two when they just got smoked by the Dolphins. Like, come on, man. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a good answer for you. I, I think that first of all, uh, power rankings are dumb. I so. know you don't. That okay? Yeah, <laughs> let's I'm keep just, pounding. I'm too good for power rankings. Um, <laughs> let's talk about this nightmare scenario because yeah. it's because it's the thing with the nightmare scenario is usually you say like, well, they could go 11 and five, but the uh, Titans have to beat the Jets and then the yes. they have to tie with the. No, it's a very this very is a realistic scenario. Reasonable scenario. It really is. Yeah. It's not it's not all these crazy things that need to happen. Like this could actually happen, man. So, uh tell me what has to happen this Sunday. So, this Sunday in order for the nightmare scenario to occur, I mean really the main thing is that you need to watch is the Seattle, is the Seahawks. So, if the Seahawks beat the Rams this week, Right, and they went out the rest of their games. They're going to hold a tiebreaker over the Rams, which means they'll win the NFC West. Uh, you know, and then the second big thing that would have to occur would be the Falcons would have to beat the Saints again, right? Yeah, can't happen. Won't happen. Could happen. Well, of course it could happen. Yeah. So if those th- it just happened, if those things occur eight days ago or no, however many four days ago right sure i mean obviously it's gonna be tougher in the superdome but it certainly could happen um you know the falcons are are playing better football right now and, and they're quite frankly saints I think, are beat up too i think the two nfc south teams are the you know outside of the panthers are the two most scary teams in the in the nfc right now That's, i agree with you i might minnesota's real good like, uh, I, I, I think I they think, are too playing yeah. in minnesota certainly is a different story but i mean i would if I had to pick going to Minnesota or going to New Orleans outside of me drinking a lot and yeah, playing in a casino. Say, yeah. <laughs> you may want to put in there for an NFL game. For, oh, uh, for the Panthers. Excuse me. Not me personally. If you're asking me if I'd rather go to New Orleans or rather go to Minneapolis, in I'm January. picking Minneapolis every day. That ball of America is legit. So the things are here. If the, if the Seahawks went out and the Rams win every other game except for when they play Seattle – and if the Falcons went out and the Panthers went out and it sets up a Week 17 matchup Atlanta uh, against the Panthers in Atlanta, that potentially could be a scenario for the Panthers where if they win in Atlanta, they win the division. If they lose in Atlanta, they're that 17th, that 
possibly could have beaten the AFC opponent, but won't get to because they'll be sitting at home. So, yeah, basically if the Panthers go into Atlanta 11-4 and and they play the 10-4 and Falcons, if the Seahawks and... Uh, Wait, how, yeah, if, how does that work? 11 and 4 and 11 and 4. 11 and 4 versus 10, 10 and, and 5. 10 and 5, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I misspoke. Apologies. Okay. Uh so if they go in a game ahead of Atlanta basically and the Seahawks have swept and the Saints have also won all of their games except for the Falcons, they will be playing for their literally for the opportunity to go to the playoffs even though they already have 11 wins. Amazing. It's unbelievable. And And they will go the only options at that point will be to go as the division winner or to not go at all. Yep. There will be no <laughs> scenarios for a wild card. No, it's, it's crazy. It's and amazing. also they, I mean, that's a, that's a re- realistic scenario. And if you couldn't follow us babbling about it, you can check it out <laughs> at the riot report.com. There's a, there, you can write it. It's written out, but basically if you're a Panthers fan, you are a Rams fan this weekend. Absolutely. Jay Goff. Yeah, uh, it's kind of like when we came back from the uh, Jets game after we were doing the C-A-T-S, Cats, 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 and the Rams were playing the Saints. We got back to Amity Hall, and we said R-A-M-S, Rams, Rams, Rams. Well, we need to do that again. Yes. Um, Also, quick preview of the Panthers-Packers. I think that the Panthers are better than the Packers, and if they— The end. That's it. (laughs) No, like, like, legitimately, like, the look at the Packers and take Aaron Rodgers out of the scenario. That defense is not good. Yeah, and the Panthers should be able to run the ball with all three of their running backs. Mm. I said three. Are they going to get two hundred yards? Maybe. Man, how cool would it be if they would rush for two hundred yards four times? I don't believe that they've done that in any season. Wow, that'd be sweet. Yeah. Um, I, I just think that the Panthers are better than the Packers, and barring an Aaron Rodgers vintage performance, but at the same time coming off of collarbone, it just it just doesn't seem. Is he going to play? Yes. Hundred percent. No, not a hundred percent. No, you're hundred percent. Forty percent? What's my hundred percent? It's not close to <laughs> what zero. I, what I'm saying is, I know the official announcement hasn't been made, and I can't imagine the Packers are going to make it before the Saturday deadline, right? Four no. p.m. Yeah. So they're gonna they're gonna keep that you know close to their their vest and not show their cards. But I'm asking you, you know, what's your opinion? Is he going to play? My opinion is that yes, he is going to play, and I think that do if the Panthers beat the Aaron Rodgers led Packers and knock them out of the playoffs, are they going to wish they didn't play him? No. I mean, it's unless he re-breaks his collarbone so, like Tony Romo did. Yeah. So they're going to risk his health at this long-shot wild-card opportunity. Probably. We just we just went through a scenario where we're telling you the Pan- the 11-5 and five Panthers might not make the playoffs, and the Packers, who can't do any better than 10-6, and six, are going to risk their MVP franchise quarterback over one game. Yes. One L they're about to take. Yes. And they better take an L, by the way. Yeah, no, I think that they will, and I think that Aaron Rodgers will play, and I still think that the Panthers will beat the Packers, but I am not willing to stake my entire <laughs> reputation on that because it is Aaron Rodgers, and um, you just never know. Uh, unfortunately, he did this a few weeks ago, but I, or a few weeks ago, a few years ago, where he came back and led them back to the playoffs, and they were terrifying. I don't think that's going to happen, but I don't think it's not going to happen. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, this is not, you know what, this is not what it is. This is what it might be, and I don't know. I think that we might be doing this. No, that's not what we do here on this podcast. We talk about what it is because it is what it is, and it's not what it might be, right? Even though we did just spend 10 minutes talking about a scenario that yeah. it might be. So uh, 
you know what? Uh, probably nobody's listening at the end of this podcast. Anyway, if you made it this long, I'm barely alive. Uh, Zach, talk about what's happening on Sunday morning on when it's 50 degrees, 57 yeah. degrees before the Panthers Get your game. short sleeves out. It's going to be a beautiful football day. Come out to the tailgate. We've got two of these left for sure. Possibly a, th- a third. Who knows? But two for sure. Uh, back to back. So get out there early and... Uh, you know, let's do a good job getting ready for all these cheese heads we're going to see. And let's keep pounding. Always. Always keep pounding.